Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of the Mr. E Podcast. I'll be joined by Alan and Sierra Donahue, who are owners of A Paw Above, which is a dog daycare, grooming, and boarding service in Colorado Springs, Colorado. You might ask, why talk to someone who owns a business in Colorado? Alan actually was a high school and college friend of mine, um, grew up with him in the St. Ansgar School District. They're both going to talk about their experiences in Iowa high school, both went to college in Iowa, and actually started their careers after college in Iowa with some different jobs. And they actually took that dreaded leap of faith to move out to a new state, to a whole new situation, and eventually quit their jobs and started a business on their own. So we all have that dream inside of us of being an entrepreneur and wondering what it's like to start our own business. Oftentimes, we're maybe scared to take that next step to leave the comfort zone. And they're going to talk about and be very upfront with us about the challenges of running your own business. They're going to talk about how things maybe don't always go as planned, especially during this COVID-19 scare and how it's really impacted their business. But they have a really good message about their lives, um, the different perspectives that led them down the path they are today. You'll find that they took two very different paths and eventually led them to getting married and starting a business on their own. Hey everybody, I'm here today with Alan and Sierra Donahue. How are you two doing? We're doing great. Good. So tell me a little bit more about each of you. Um, Alan, since I've Went to school with you, known you my whole life. Let's get started with you. What are some of your, um, what'd you grow up doing? Where'd you grow up? Um, what interests did you have as high school students? Um, I drew, I grew up in Grafton, Iowa. Um, so just, just, uh, a little ways away from Sandsger where we went to school, obviously. Um, really, really me growing up, I was just interested in sports. Um, I didn't really care much for school. Um, or anything like that. I just like playing sports, watching sports, um, and just kind of goofing off um, and messing around. That really was my whole childhood um, through high school and whatnot. Um, so it wasn't super interesting. Um, Sierra, on the other hand, um, what about you? Um, I grew up in the Des Moines area. I actually moved around quite a bit as a kid. Um, I lived in West Des Moines, Johnston, Austin, Texas, and then came back finally to Van Meter, Iowa. Um, I was the opposite. I was super into school. I was the teacher's pet that always got straight A's. So um, both you guys obviously kind of at the high school age were on different ends of the spectrum in terms of interests, in terms of um, how you looked at school. What steps did you guys pursue after high school? for your different career aspirations. Did you have any idea in high school what you wanted to do or was it something you kind of discovered along the college path? Yeah, um, I had no idea because actually after high school, um, I went to NIAC and I thought my path was playing football um, for NIAC. And then um, they actually canceled their program. That was the year they canceled their football program. And so I ended up just going to school there um, and then from, from there, I transferred to Waldorf and, and attempted to play Waldorf uh, football Waldorf. And that's when I had my, uh, tore my ACL for the second time. Um, and that's when I kind of gave that career up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I moved, uh, I moved back home and went to, uh, went to Nyack. I finished up my two year degree there. Um, and then uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I, I didn't think I had good enough grades to go to a four year. I didn't think I really was smart enough to go to a four year or, or had the ambition at that point. Um, so I ended up moving with, uh, one of my good buddies, Nathan Cork to Ames and I just lived there and worked, um, as a nanny actually. Um, and so I, I worked as a nanny during the day, um, and I worked at Buffalo Wild Wings at night mm-hmm. um, hosting. So that's kind of what I did um, until I had, ended up going to you and I, um, and Garrett ended up, your brother ended up actually getting me to kind of go that route um, and, and apply there and actually just, just barely slipped in because um, of messing around at NIAC. So I just barely slipped into you and I. Um, and that's where I kind of caught on to really my love for business and wanting to create a business or create something or, you know, give a service to somebody that they can really appreciate and, and just working for myself and not having to depend on someone else to write my paychecks. Yeah, definitely. I just didn't know what I want to do, um, even then. So, but that's where my love for business really grew. Um, I got really interested in actually entrepreneurship and that sort of thing, um, so yeah, that was where I kind of formulated my business stuff was at you and I all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know uh, Sierra has a different path, um, so we'll pass over to her. All right, and let her talk about herself. So, like I said, I was really into school and academics and all of that, and my favorite subject um, always was math. I was really gifted at it, and I enjoyed it as well. Um, so I originally went to you and I um, to be an actuarial scientist. Um, I did that for a year. At the end of the year, uh, my parents kind of sat me down and they said they could tell I was not happy with my classes. I was doing fine. I was making good grades um, like I always did, but I really wasn't enjoying them. Um, And something that I had always wanted to do was to be able to bring my love for math to other people. Um, So after my freshman year, I switched my major to secondary education with an emphasis on math. Um, And that is where I began um, my math journey and becoming a math teacher. Right. So obviously, after hearing both your guys' stories, kind of like the high school example, your collegiate trajectories were very, very different. Alan, yours, again, sounds like the the main reason you went to college was sports-driven and eventually evolved into a different passion. Um, How about... During college, do you guys, Alan, you talked a little bit about some jobs you worked. Sierra, did you have any jobs during college you worked? Um, so when I was 17, I started working at Hy-Vee as a cashier, and I did that all the way through college um, until I got my first big job out of college um, as a teacher. All right. Where did you start your teaching career at? Um, so I started in the Des Moines, Iowa area at a very small school called Southeast Warren. Um, I taught 7th through 12th grade math um, there for three years, and I also coached um, volleyball, track, and speech. So obviously with the coaching aspect of things added on to starting out a teaching career, I'm guessing working some long hours and a lot of maybe – ungrateful hours at the same time you kind of not not necessarily getting compensated overly great for all the hours you put in in the coaching side of things alan what about you how about after college what were some of the first jobs you worked 
Yeah, so right out of college, I uh, actually took a job. Um, me and Sierra had just broke up. that, So actually, I was back home in Mason City, and I left the daycare because um, I was like, ah, I can't be making like eight bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get a big big kid job somewhat. So I actually started doing like a um, – it was merchandising and then sales apprenticeship for Dr. Pepper Snapple. Um, and so I just kind of started that cause I could, it was good hours. Um, it was pretty good pay, uh, from what I was used to. And I got to kind of like, not just be in one place all the time. I got to go around to different stores, drive around, um, and do that sort of thing. And I actually ended up, um, switching my schedule and getting the water or not Waterloo, but, uh, four city schedule. So that was closer to Cedar Falls. Cause I ended up actually moving back to Cedar Falls, um, to get back together with Sierra mm-hmm. and make things work. So it was a job that I was actually able to get a different territory so that we could actually um, work on us and, and get back together and make that work. Um, so none of this would have actually been possible yeah, for without sure. that job and having the flexibility. Um, and then actually uh, we moved to Des Moines um, and that's where I became um, with JTAC. And so I was a chemical engineer consultant for them um, for three years, uh, running around, uh, working with, um, heating and cooling stuff. So, um, that's what I did. It was basically just a sales job to me. Um, and that's what I like to do. Um, so that's what I did. And then when we moved here, um, things changed. So, yeah, for sure. So obviously, um, we'll get into here in a little bit what you guys do now, but before we do that, what are some of the major lessons you each took away from your first true careers after college? Well, the first thing I'd say is don't ever in a relationship um, or, or if you haven't done something, don't ever judge someone else's career or how much work it is mm-hmm. um, because you don't know. And, and like you said about Sierra having the long hours and coaching and all that stuff, um, not all of that's compensated as well as other things. So just don't ever – you know, assume your work is harder than somebody else's mm-hmm. because you obviously don't know. And that's a, that's a big lesson that I learned because um, you don't respect teachers all that much growing up, and I know I didn't uh, for sure. Um, but after seeing it through the life of your wife, it really puts into perspective how much work they do. So mm-hmm. um, for sure, that's one of my lessons. What about you, C? Mine's kind of going off of that, um, just how important it truly is to find something that you're passionate about you know, when you're going to your job every day, that is a huge part of your life. And if it's something you don't enjoy, um, it's not going to be for you. You're not going to stay with it long. So finding something you really enjoy. And with that, even if it is something you're super passionate about, you're still going to have those days where you're like, what am I doing? Why Mm -hmm. am I doing this? Is this the right thing? Like, do these people care? Like, so, you know, there, you will have those days, but then you'll also have the days where it all makes sense and you're like, this is why I do it. Oh, yeah, that's I can relate to that big time. There's been a lot of days where whether it's my <laughs> teaching job, I come home like, why am I doing this? Is this truly what I want to do? And then there's days where like now, especially there's three weeks without school and you really start to miss that interaction with other people. And And it's great being home with the family. It's great being able to do some roofing stuff, but at the same time, um, it's not truly what my number one passion is. So again, it's the most important thing. I would say you hit the nail on the head there that finding something that really motivates you to get up in the morning and just continue to work hard throughout life. So a couple of years ago, I'm not sure the exact date. Um, I'll let you guys speak on that. 
you two made a big life decision that maybe a lot of people grow up saying, well, I'm going to end up here. I want to take a step and move away from my town and end up in this area. Um, tell me more about the factors that led to you two deciding to move west to Colorado. Well, we, we probably did, we probably started thinking about it a couple of years ago. Um, the move was actually last, uh, the beginning of last June. Okay. Um, so almost a year, but we, yeah, we started talking about it and I thought I probably had mentioned to you or at some point that I was doing it, but mm-hmm. so yeah, it had been a couple of years in the making. Um, but I mean, really we just kind of, we found ourselves arguing and fighting and stuff like that. Um, and we didn't really know why and, and stuff seemed great. We had the house, you know, we had, we had, our cars, we had, you know, our dogs and we had, you know, a great town. We had great jobs, um, but something was just missing. Um, and we just, we just weren't happy, um, where we were. Um, and we weren't happy, like what we were doing. We were happy, but we, we just knew mm-hmm. there was a better a void somewhere more, missing something. Yeah. yeah there, was a, there was a void. Exactly. Um, so Sierra had mentioned that she loved Colorado and um, I had never been. And I was just kind of like, it's like Iowa with more snow. Um, so I wasn't really, really all for it. Um, and then, you know, she went out there a couple of times and, and we looked at it a little bit. And we ended up, I ended up booking a trip um, for a couple summers ago. Um, and that's when we got engaged and we absolutely fell in love with Colorado Springs and everything about it. It just, it seems like it's like almost an Iowa town, but it's, you know, there's mountains and there's different people and there's more stuff to do. And they absolutely love dogs here. And yeah, it's just an amazing place. So, mm-hmm. um, it just kind of, we just kind of talked about it and, um, I'll let Sierra give her version a little bit. Um, but that was kind of mine. I just was, I was ready to go. Um, I was ready for change and I knew if it didn't happen soon that it would never happen so before uh, before you go sierra i just want to clarify to our audience um and this will really make a lot more sense later on um alan and sierra are big dog people okay how many dogs do you have of your own Uh, we have four dogs four dogs so again this will we'll touch on this here a little more later go ahead sierra um for me i always knew i didn't want to live in iowa for the rest of my life i always knew i wanted to live somewhere else um the number one thing on my list was mountains. <laughs> the first place I always dreamed I would live was California. That's where my aunt and cousin live. And we used to visit there and I just thought it was the most beautiful place. Um, and I just love being outside and enjoying nature, um, and all those good things. Um, so I kind of was talking with Alan a few years back, kind of mentioning the idea of moving out of Iowa, trying to feel out how he felt about it. Um, and I brought up, Colorado and Texas those were the two places I wanted to move and so for a few years we kind of you know talked about those two places um until up until last what was it March I think yep no it was last March last March Alan looked at me and said I think this is the year we do it and I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I think this is the year we move. And then all of a sudden, I flipped my script, and I was scared. I was like, wait a second. We both have really good jobs. We have this beautiful house. We have our four dogs, our family close by. Um, we were really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Alan was saying, we weren't really happy. We weren't exploring. We weren't doing things we wanted to do. On weekends, we were just sitting at home, not doing much. Um, 
And so in March, we kind of committed to starting to look for jobs and to make the move that summer. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, you were still teaching at Southeast Warren at that point, correct? Yeah. So you obviously correct. had to finish up the school year under contract with them. And then at least yeah, that right. gave you a little bit of time to, to plan out. So, um, as you guys went out to Colorado, what were the first, like first careers you had out there when you moved out there for good? Um, so I just found another school here. Um, it was Falcon middle school. So not in Colorado Springs, but right outside of Colorado Springs. Um, and so I was teaching seventh and eighth grade math there. And I actually met a guy out here, um, that was from Silicon Valley that had worked at Google and, uh, struck up some conversation with him and he was looking for somebody, um, to do business development for his digital marketing company. Um, so basically, um, he hired me, um, it's called SEO Samba. He hired me to, uh, reach out to all these business owners and CEOs and stuff of big franchises, um, through LinkedIn, through Facebook, um, through cold, cold calling and all this stuff to try to get their business, um, uh, which was pretty cool. And it was work from home. Um, but mm-hmm. I found myself just being around the house, super bored. Um, it just really wasn't like there was no work or labor. It just wasn't stimulating at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really, really boring. Um, but yeah, so that's what I did. Um, for the first few months we we're out here. Yeah. I've always, always wondered what that work from home thing would work like, um, or look like, but I'm really finding out now that it's definitely not for me. So, um, yeah. hence the reason I kind of got started with this podcast thing. It's nice to kind of branch out and learn new things, which leads to this next question. I'm going to kind of split this one up into two parts. So when did you, Either one of you, both of you know that you wanted to purchase a business on your own and become entrepreneurs. I'll start. Well, I actually um, found it not too long ago. um, Through the job that he was at. Through the job I was at, I found it. But when I first found my love, when I knew I wanted to own a business um, was was my senior year. Um, And I had found something that I wrote that I wanted to be a business owner 10 years from 2009. Um, which is actually exactly when we purchased the business. Um, and I found our boarding facility. I was actually looking, um, I was looking through, through these clients that um, we were working with at SEO Samba and I was looking at their franchise and I liked how it worked. And so I was actually reached out to the CEO of that company. I was looking at getting the franchise um, when cross-referencing in Colorado Springs, we found our boarding facility that we now own it was about a half a mile from our house um, and it was for sale. So it just happened to have the same three streams of revenue that I liked with um, that. We liked with the boarding, the grooming and the daycare. Um, it just made it feel safer to have all three streams of revenue rather than just having a boarding mm-hmm. facility or a daycare facility or a grooming facility. And and when we saw that it was just right close by, um, it really just felt like it was meant to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And so that was my kind of, uh, business, the way I saw business happening. Sierra's is a little bit different. Um, it goes back a lot longer than, uh, than mine. Um, so it'll be interesting, but here's Sierra. So I didn't necessarily think that I would ever own a business. However, from when I was like three years old, I've had a huge obsession with dogs. My very first word was not mom. It was not dad. (laughs) It was doggy. 
<laughs> um, and I just was obsessed. Me and my sister would draw pictures of like the farm we were going to have and all the different breed dog breeds we'd have. And I always knew I wanted to do something with dogs from a very, very young age. Um, but I didn't really think there was a career path for me in it. Um, because, you know, one of the main paths a lot of people think of if they um, have an interest in animals is a vet. Um, But if I see a needle, I pass out. So (laughs) I knew that was not the route I could go. Um, I kind of chalked it up as, okay, I'll just have a lot of dogs, and that's kind of how I'll get my fix until this came up, and I realized that I could have a career um, working with dogs and being a business owner Mm -hmm. and doing what I love. For sure. Yeah, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that, whether it be just in our society, whether it be with students or entrepreneurship in general, is that, like, it's that shark tank mentality where if you want to start a business, you got to come up with this crazy wild product that no one's ever seen before, when in reality, so many of the businesses that get started are things that already exist, and maybe you can provide maybe a little better service or a different skill set to it, but it's still something that's really high demand. So as you guys looked into buying that business, um, what were some of the major worries or concerns you had, whether it be um, with leaving your current jobs now, whether it be with just um, making that investment? Just walk me through it. Well, first of all, everyone thought it was a joke um, and that there wasn't really much money there. Um, or like, you know, that can't support a family. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we, you know, we got the numbers back, um, with the CPA and stuff, even the CPA, you know, was like, this is a bit, this is a risk. Like this is, you guys are going from making this to making this, like, you know, you're going to have mm-hmm. to work every day just to make, you know, even close to what you were making before. Um, and so, you know, everyone's just telling us how much work it'd be and, and how much risk it is. And, you know, the only reward is having a, a great job that you love. Mm-hmm. Um, but really that's, that's a great reward. Um, and, and we were really the only ones that really believed in it, um, from day one. And so I think that really helped, but, um, yeah, the biggest risk was for me was probably that, uh, people didn't, you know, they were, they were doubting us. Um, they didn't think it was a real business idea. Um, they didn't think there was enough money there. So that was probably the biggest risk. That was the big leaving money on the table from our old jobs um, and starting with something brand new that's completely ours. So mm-hmm. that was my biggest risk. What about you, C? Um, I would say that as well. But also for me, I had the um, additional challenge. Alan said, you know, he wasn't very happy with his job. He was bored at home. Um, but for me, teaching was also a passion of mine and math was also a passion of mine. Um, so that was something that I had to think a lot about. Um, however, teaching here was a lot different, um, than teaching back in Iowa and it wasn't, um, the school wasn't exactly what it said it was going to be and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was kind of put in a spot, um, where we were making the decision, okay, is Alan going to run this and I'll finish out, you know, my year of teaching, um, or what are we going to do, um, and we eventually came to the decision that it would be best if we both were a hundred percent in on this to really make it our own and really grow this the way that we wanted to grow it. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. I've been like kind of talking to your guys' experience with making that leap of faith, essentially leaving your comfort zone, leaving those salary jobs where you're getting X amount of dollars per week, month, whatnot with benefits and stuff like that. Um, 
my, I'm kind of a quasi entrepreneur, so to speak, where it's more of a seasonal thing with our roofing business. And I've been approached by a few people saying, well, why don't you make this a full-time thing or this and that? And fortunately in Iowa and unfortunately in Iowa, however you want to word it, the season doesn't allow that business necessarily to be a full-time thing. So with the teaching aspect of things, yes, it prohibits me from maybe doing that for a few months out of the year, but it still provides me kind of with the best of both worlds, essentially. So it's definitely interesting to get the perspective of someone who literally took that jump and and took the risk to start a business off on their own full time. So a lot of people like that entrepreneurship idea of, hey, I'm my own boss. I set my own hours. I work when I want. And they think that entrepreneurship's just perfect life, nice and easy. So tell me about your work schedule in a day in the life of your business up above. What does that look like? Well, I'll just start with this. Our last... uh... Our last day off was February 18th. Um, so that, that, and we were open seven days a week. Um, from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. So, um, that's, that's <laughs> nice and easy. Yeah. So you get, you know, about 84 hours a week or so. Um, but, you know, seven days a week, but you get what you put in. Mm-hmm. And so we really, you know, once it's yours and once you own it, um, it, it changes things. Um, and it really makes you, you know, want to go that much more. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not all it's, it's made out to be. And it, it is at some point. Um, and sometimes, you know, you don't have anyone to answer to, um, other than your husband or wife, you know, if you own something together. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's usually pretty easy. So that's really cool. You know, you get to make your own decisions, but at that same time, like you're the one that makes the decision. So if you make the wrong one, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's on you. And also people don't even, and you know, this, when you start a business, it's not like it doesn't get started until you get all that paperwork done and all that stuff filled out and, mm-hmm. and you get checks made and all that stuff. And then it takes so much and it's so many decisions before you even get to, you know, open the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, you really, really find out if you're passionate about what you're going into or not, because I mean, from the bank telling you, you know, are you kidding me? Like you don't have this type of money. Are you crazy? Or to the CPA, you know, laughing at you because, he drives a more expensive car than, you know, you get paid per year. So, I mean, it, it's, it's those people that dro- drove us though, to want to prove wrong, to want to show that we can, you know, build something great. Um, so yeah, you just got to really have passion for it. Mm-hmm. And if, it, it'll really show if you don't have the passion. Definitely. Um, I like, like I like that. Um, the pride aspect of it, like you're putting your name on something like you're, you're, the person that is contacted if things go wrong or if things go right you're the one who gets the credit for it um it's it definitely takes a whole new level of ownership to every day at work um yeah and me and sierra are such different type of people um she's you know she's very nice and and i'm more aggressive and standoffish so when you have that type it's you really have to watch because if I, if I carry myself at our business a certain way and offend somebody or something like that, it reflects on Sierra. So I need to mm-hmm. make sure, you know, that we're communicating and, and I'm acting my best. Um, and, and really just cause we're a team, um, and we're one. So it's really a, a second line we have to have a very good line of communication as well to make sure, um, that we're on the same page. Yeah, so makes sense. anything to add, Sierra? Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> so, how, uh, one quick question. I don't have this on here, but yeah. um, 
How do you guys use social media to kind of brand your business and promote your business? That's an amazing question. Uh, I never realized how much, um, how big a social media nerds we've become. Um, but it's just about grinding and really just networking and, and, and don't be afraid. Like we, like we started with Facebook and we started with a brand new Facebook. Um, we deleted the other one cause it had no, nothing good on it. Mm-hmm. It hadn't been posted on in, in seven years. Their social media, they had not posted on social media in seven years. So they were just completely word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of just blew it up. We started adding people from around the area um, that love dogs, that wanted, you know, dog services, that sort of thing. Um, we started connecting with uh, other businesses um, around the area. Um, we started doing, you know, sponsored posts on Facebook because um, that's really the best way. Um, and you can make Facebook posts and stuff, but until you have that audience, um, you can't really do too much. Um, so we grew our audience. We're at about, we're over 1,500 followers um, now. So we have a pretty good following. Um, and so now we just, we throw out, you know, posts every day. We throw out pictures every day. Um, Sierra kind of heads up that department and crushes it because she's super creative uh, with the camera and with the computer and stuff like that. So it's it's putting out content every single day mm-hmm. um, to keep those parents happy and seeing their dogs playing, seeing their dogs, you know, having a good time, seeing their dogs tired. Um, it's con it's hours and hours of content, you know, being edited every day. Um, and, and we wear that hat too. So that's another thing is you can't just hire a social media specialist mm-hmm. and pay them 40 grand a year because we're making 40 grand a year. So, you know, we got to do the social media stuff. We got to do the marketing. Um, and, and you got to watch where your money is spent because you can't blow it. So no you got to make sure yeah. you're in your target market and, and every dollar is well spent. So, mm-hmm. um, and Sierra is great with Instagram. Um, Anything you want to add with that? Because this would, is your yeah. Your I would say um, that is probably the biggest thing that we changed from the previous owner. Because, like Alan said, um, there was a Facebook, but it hadn't been posted on since 2012. Um, so we kind of started that up, and now there are clients that were regulars before um, and are continuing to be regulars, and they tell us how much they appreciate that, and you know that's you know what they why they continue to stay. Um, stay and keep coming um, is because they can see you know their dog having a good time um, and that's Mm -hmm. a really big part of our business is making sure that they know their dog's happy and well taken care of yeah i think that um as well Um, we run a lot of promotions especially now with this stuff going on we're trying to um, get people we're running promotions so people prepay for trips later on in the year Um, we can make a little cash now to pay the bills and they can save you know 10 15 percent on a trip um, in six months that they couldn't take now. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a win for both. So you got to kind of be creative, um, with that type of thing and just kind of, you know, do what you can. So, yeah, I think I'm going to touch on the COVID stuff here in a little bit, but to go back kind of, it's, it's funny how, and I didn't really think about this till you guys were talking about it, how the roofing business that I run versus the, um, dog business that you guys run like you would think that those are polar opposites, but in a way, think about how people treat their pets as, and I know I do, I know you guys do, your pets are basically an extension of your family, they're your kids. Um, those those parents, essentially, of their pets trust you with one of their kids. They want to know someone's going to take care of them. They see you guys with that front on social media. They, they're maybe a little more trusting with that. It's kind of the same thing with the roof. Like, 
that's the number one thing protecting their home. You don't just want anybody taking care of that aspect either because something goes wrong. That's the first line of trouble. Something goes wrong with their pet, then obviously that's going to be devastating to them. So Exactly. Um, and, and the other thing is when the economy's down, we're both essential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they both need our services. So, yeah, it's very important stuff. Definitely. So I agree. That's awesome. So obviously we talked a little bit about this before we started recording today, and it touched on a good point that a lot of different people are feeling throughout not only the state of Iowa, the state of Colorado, but throughout our country and the world. Um, you said that, again, March, spring break time, what did you have planned for your business when it comes over? What did you have for expectations in terms of business during those times before this coronavirus <laughs> stuff hit? And then maybe explain what actually happened. Yeah, so we were super stressed out because we had the books filled. And we were trying to figure out if we are going to order new kennels um, so, we can, so we can fill it up even more because we had 50 50- – we had probably 50 people on the waiting list um, and we were supposed to do our most ever uh, over 30 grand for the month. We were supposed to do most ever sales. Um, and we ended up doing not even half um, of what we were supposed to do because we had so many cancellations. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yeah, it's like I said, we were supposed to do record numbers in the plus side and we ended up, you know, the, the worst month we've had yet. Um, so it's just absolutely crazy. Um, but we're just thankful that, you know, we, get to still keep our doors open and have Mm -hmm. the chance to be able to be creative uh, with our revenue and see exactly where we can, you know, what we can do and how we can, you know, make, make things work. And we, we opened up daycare for the weekends to see if that would help people and bring in some more revenue. So um, yeah, it, it, it get tough, but we just had to see how we can get creative. Um, And we've kind of gotten more creative with the marketing thing and everyone's at home on the computer. So we've been pushing out, some more sponsored ads and stuff like that to try to acquire new customers for when business gets popping again. Mm-hmm. Um, anything to add, Sierra? Yeah, no, it was just, it's just crazy how quick it changed. It was literally, um, I think it was March 15th. I was looking at the schedule um, and I'm the one that's kind of in charge of figuring out when we're full and when we kind of need to cut off people. So I had this thing all listed out. I spent hours and hours planning it to make sure we weren't, you know, to make sure we had space for every dog that was coming in. Um, because like Alan said, we were worried that we weren't going to have enough room that we maybe needed to order some new kennels or, um, try to be creative in that way. And then within like two or three days, I think pretty much 50% gone mm-hmm. yeah at least at least 50% of them were gone and it was like whoa that took a quick turn it, it was went. probably the craziest 24 <laughs> to 48 hour stretch I've ever seen in terms of just the world like doing a complete 180 in terms of what yeah. they were doing and we went from being stressed that we were gonna have to work non-stop and have 70 dogs taking care of them and and we were so humbled after the fact that now we're stressed that, hey, now we got to figure out how we're going to pay rent, how mm-hmm. we're going to pay the taxes and stuff. So it's just, yeah, complete 180, um, a very humbling experience. Um, but luckily, um, instead of, you know, spending all our money um, on renovations and stuff before the first of the year to save money on taxes, uh, we saved that money and kept it in our account in case something crazy mm-hmm. happened. And something crazy happened. Yeah. Um, so we're, we thank God and we thank, you know, our own selves that we were smart enough to take the right steps and, and have faith um, in ourselves and do that. So mm-hmm. everything seems like it's going to work out well. 
Um, everyone's struggling right now, but uh, we're thankful that we get to at least keep our doors open as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Obviously, um, you could compare that to the alternative that there are so many businesses out there that are forced by the government to shut down, and they really have and absolutely had, no revenue had, uh, store. Our grooming was shut down, so we had a third of our business shut okay. down, but luckily we have uh, we have those three three strings of revenue, mm-hmm. so um, we don't have to worry um, as much because we still have boarding and we still have daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks losing grooming because that was really growing. Um, but uh, hopefully on the 26th, we can open that back up when our Colorado stay mm-hmm. is up and then uh, we can continue that. But yeah, um, so everything we've kind of planned for has kind of helped us and worked out for the good. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, everyone, it's pretty easy to plan for the for the rosy days where everything's great it's just the stuff that's maybe not so fun and it's it's hard to think about when things aren't going well that right i need to have a plan in place so that way the impact isn't near as bad as it could be i appreciate you talking about and being open to talk about it again the the things that aren't so great with entrepreneurship because again a lot of times people really really like to talk about the good things and they just brush over the bad so it's the things that I really want to know um, when I was kind of going through it, and you can't really find those because, like you said, people don't really like to talk about that stuff, mm-hmm. which which makes it really fun for us because we'd like to be able to talk about that stuff and show them exactly a real-life look and not just, you know, it's all great and no nothing bad. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we want to be as transparent as possible. Awesome. Well, with that being said... Um... I appreciate you guys coming on and taking the time out of your night to give my kids some insight about the life of an entrepreneur. Um, I know that a lot of people maybe don't realize when they're sitting in a high school classroom that, hey, I'm going to run my own business someday. They might think it's cool. They might just, eh, is what it is. But in reality, a good chunk of them will have some or play some part in the role of being an entrepreneur. Um, I guess... Let's wrap up with, um, I kind of do this, I'm gonna, I started this in my last podcast, so you guys, either you watch Back to the Future? Yeah. yeah. So if you had that DeLorean, you could go back in time, what would you tell <laughs> high school, so any, I, any age in high school, or any grade in high school, I don't care, your high school selves, any tip of, or piece of advice you would give or anything you would change? Yeah, um... I would go back um, to, and I would I would go back to when I was a freshman, and I would just um, encourage myself to work harder, um, work harder for the stuff I love, like sports and stuff. Because I mean, I didn't I didn't lift a weight until, you know, I probably had graduated. Uh, but I would just go back and get myself to work harder a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't take so long to figure it out. You know, so I didn't graduate college at 25. Maybe I graduated college at 22. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a little bit more of a head start. Um, it could be a millionaire by the time I'm 30, um, but uh, but that's probably what I do. You know, just just work a little bit harder. Um, I, I wouldn't change anything because I like what yeah, my life's at. Led right you to now. where you are, yeah, um, for sure. But just maybe maybe get there a little bit earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, but I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Uh, but maybe tell myself to work a little harder. How about you, Sierra? Um, mine would definitely be to stop living in a way that you're trying to either impress or like put off a good impression to others mm-hmm. and stop caring so much what other people think. Um, because I did spend a big chunk of my life doing everything the way I thought it was supposed to be done, the way that would make other people happy or make people like me. 
Um, and that didn't make me happy. What made me happy was, you know, taking that risk, moving out here, you know, having people tell me I was crazy, but not care because mm -hmm. it's what I wanted to do. And I made that decision for myself. Um, so I would, you know, tell myself back then to stop trying to just fit in and be another, per another, you know, whatever, be yourself make those mm -hmm. decisions for yourself and be confident in them because that's you. Yeah, definitely. I think that both those um, pieces of advice you guys gave are things that are a pretty common trend amongst people that are around our age looking back and saying, man, if I could have done this differently or if I would have just applied myself a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. maybe maybe these goals would be a little easier to achieve. But at the same time, like you said, Alan, um, it's it's hard to look back and want to change things because most of us truly are happy with the way things have gone and the places we're at right now. So with that being said, again, I appreciate you guys for taking the time out of your night to come out and um, talk to my kiddos. Um, hope you yeah, guys... Yeah, one more thing, one more quick yep. thing. Um, Sierra's actually starting something really cool. Um, she's starting a math YouTube um, called Homemade Math. Um, so that's in the works right now. So be checking that out. All right. Send me the send me the stuff for them. We'll get it get it published yeah, out. I know these sure. kids it's... are they they act like they man, this no school thing's awesome, but you'd be surprised how many of them um, of them have reached out and said, "Man, I really took school for granted at the same time too. I want to get back and And get kids back always in the swing help with math. Definitely. Sure. That's math, I know so. looking back to myself in high school, holy cow. And I for thought sure. I was so good at it and up. I wasn't. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, again, take care, guys. Stay safe, stay healthy. Hopefully things get back to normal soon and keep um, keep up the grind. You as well. Say hi to the family. This was a lot of fun. Uh, we appreciate you having us on, and uh, good luck to you and all your uh, students and uh, everybody else. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. You bet. Yeah.